Well, welcome to Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing big business in small towns in rural America. Thank you for joining us, and I mean it uh, literally this time, because normally we say thank you for joining us and we mean our, our faux audience, but we have live audience here today, so thank you all. I'm Deb Barnett, uh, Executive Director for Southern Illinois Now. We're a 17-county regional economic development initiative. Advancing Southern Illinois is a great place to live, work, and do business. And I'm Russ Williams. I'm Director of Ethos. We're a small business incubator, co-working spaces, training, and development here on Tower Square Plaza. We usually do this recording at Ethos, but we are out in the town today. You're joining us at the Foundation Room, which is next door to Granny Puckett's Cupcakes and Cafe here on Tower Square Plaza, a brand new space that has been uh, revitalized and renovated um, in the Goodall building. And so we invite those that are listening or watching us to come join us like our live audience has today. Uh, thank you again to our live audience for joining us. We want to thank our sponsors for making the Small Town Big Business podcast possible. And that includes thank you to Arcadia Wealth Group, uh, Black Diamond, Harley-Davidson, and RV. Also, Fowler Heating and Cooling, the Swinford Media Group, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, and of course, Union Street Arts. And I'm Jennifer Olson, and I'm Director of Business Development for the City of Marion. And I want to remind you that we're available, our podcast that is, on all of your favorite apps, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, you name it. We're also on Facebook, and if you want to see our smiling faces, follow us on YouTube. But most importantly, don't forget to subscribe. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And if you're new to small town big business, what we do here is we interview successful business owners and founders about how and why they thrive in small towns across Southern Illinois and here in Marion, Illinois. Today, we're gonna take a little bit of a detour with our guests because uh, Rachel helps small businesses thrive and helps the city of Marion thrive. So first of all, welcome Rachel Stroud. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so exciting. I'm gonna have you tell a little bit about what you do here at the City of Marion here in just a moment, but what people might not know, I've watched you grow up and just thrive and do amazing things, Uh, but just tell us a little bit about you, kind of your background and, and what led you to this position. Of course. Well, I'm Rachel. I grew up here in Marion, Southern Illinois native. Um, I work for the city of Marion now. I'm the director of communications and marketing. Whenever I'm not at work, I'm at Agape Christian High School. I'm the volleyball and cheer coach there. Um, if I'm not at school with my girls, I'm at church with my small group girls. I love to get out and about and explore Southern Illinois, go hiking. I love history. Our area is full of it, so it's fun to get out and see where things happened many, many years ago. Um, right here in our own backyard, I like to spend time with my dog. His name is Chewy. Um, and just spend time with my family, go on adventures and all that kind of fun stuff. And now I have a whole new perspective now that I'm working for the city of what goes on here right outside of my front door. I think that's a little bit unique when you said you get out and explore Southern Illinois. So many times when we've grown up in an area, we take it for granted and, mm-hmm. and don't always see the things that are right in our own backyard. So was that yeah. something that was sort of fostered um, in you as you were growing up or how did you... How did you discover all that the region has to offer? Definitely. Well, whenever I was in grade school, I went to a very small school. I went to Unity Christian School, and our teachers were so good at taking us on field trips regionally. So we'd go down to Golconda and go to the Chocolate Factory, and there was some sort of a forestry seminar we'd always go to down there. But I never felt like I got to spend enough time at these places. So if we'd have a day off from work or from school or whatever my mom was always so good about making sure that we got out and got to go see these things and had a really well-rounded education and life experience so interesting i feel like your teacher needs applauded for her economic (laughs) development efforts isn't that really where it starts though as kids and just introducing kids Mm -hmm. um, to what's all around them and the experiences so that's that's an important point and teachers too that like shared their passions i had one teacher who's super into history and so our whole curriculum that year was based off of things that happened in our past math um would like go back to these historical subjects and context and yeah. English and the whole nine yards. So it was That's excellent. cool to learn that way. Shout out to the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> Is that where you first heard about the tunnels underneath Tower Square Plaza? No, listen. <laughs> we'll They're, get into that later. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. 
But, but speaking of history, so I'm so blessed to have Rachel on the team to take on all of the media and marketing and, um, you know, deal with the trolls and whatnot that we have. But one of the things that we end up uh, doing in our work is a lot of all other duties as assigned. And, and I know most of you have that in your job. But do you want to tell a little bit about what we did this weekend? I would love to. So 162 years ago on August 19th, then Congressman John A. Logan um, came to Marion and delivered a speech out on Tower Square. There was not a tower there, it was just a square. At that point in time, um, rallying support for this region to remain loyal to the North. Um, this is, we're just right on that line of Southern sympathizers and um, Union allies right here. So he traveled here. His wife, Mary, is from here. She lived down kind of where Washington School is now. Um, they had a big farm down there. And she kind of orchestrated this whole thing. If this is not a girl power story, I don't know what is. But she kind of orchestrated this whole thing. And there was just all right, already all this uprising tension um, around this speech happening. Sorry that I just hit your microphone. Um, all this uprising tension around this speech happening. And she wasn't sure what direction this was going to go. And so she had this pistol that she hid underneath her bonnet just in case things went awry. She was ready to run security. <laughs> And um, General Logan presented his speech and as to why we needed to remain loyal to the North. And then he made a call for volunteers. And Mary Logan knew that not many people were gonna stand up and be the first one to say yes, but she knew that General Logan's old friend, Luke Sanders, was going to be in the crowd that day. He fought in the Mexican-American War. He was a fifer, um, think Piccolo-esque. Um, wood instrument, wind instrument, um, and he stood up and started playing a little song. And slowly but surely, um, other people that she had prearranged started to stand up and volunteer. And then a drummer started beating and joining in on the Pfeiffer's song. And by the end of the day, they had um, enough volunteers to form a new infantry regiment right here. And um, they went off and fought in the Civil War. So we celebrated that. We have a Johnny Logan uh, marker now out on the square. And if you're ever in town, you can get out there and read about it, take a walk around the fountains. It's really neat. Mayor Absher did not let Rachel or I put a gun under our bonnet. <laughs> Otherwise, it was very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, you're a great communicator. It's storytelling, like you just told, you're great at that. Oh, great you. personality to have in the community. Is that part of why you're in marketing and communications? Tell us a little bit about that. I think so. I think it's because I like to be around the people. I love me a good office day every now and then to get things done, but I think that there's so much happening out and about and in the world, and I just want to help connect people to um, other people to help their businesses grow. I want to help connect the community to businesses and the community um, back to the people that they're serving, and just I think we've got a lot to share and a lot to learn from each other, and it's going to take all of us working together to make Marion grow and to make Southern Illinois thrive. Tell us a little bit about what led you to this current role. Is it something that you sort of always aspired to, or there, was it sort of an incremental um, career moves along the way? Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Um, I would say that not one of my jobs has followed the other. Um, I've got a little experience, dabbled in a lot of things, and I think that that's really shaped me as to who I am and the connections and who I know in our community. Um, I'm kind of a little bit of a grab bag, a mosaic um, patchwork. I started off in sports. I worked for the minors um, while I was in college, interned for three years, and had a full-time job waiting on me whenever I graduated. Um, I worked there for a little bit, moved on to retail. I worked at Perfectly Posh Boutique, so I got a taste of retail and a small business, family-run, family-owned, um, very focused in that. And that was a huge culture shift after being um, working with professional athletes and basically in the entertainment industry, day in and day out, and running all of these different events. Um, we ran a hundred some odd events during the summer, so that was a lot, that was a huge shift. Um, and then I worked for some for publications for four or five years, and I loved it. Um, that gave me such a platform to find my voice, that gave me um, just an avenue and a vehicle to start meeting people and getting out there, and I had the best bosses in the world. I learned a lot on the daily. Um, and whether from my organization, the way I communicate, the way I write, graphic design, video editing, like my toolbox just kept getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And then this job came along and um, it was time to take the next step and take that next leap. And it was 
scary and I feel like I'm just learning things on the daily. I feel like I just look at everybody in our office, my eyes really big and my mouth open. I'm like taking in all the information every time that we have a conversation, but it's been cool. It's been good. And I'm excited to see where this goes next. And what a great group to learn from. I mean, Jennifer certainly um, is, is wonderful. And then Mayor Absher and just all the vision and growth happening in the city. I mean, you're just in a perfect place to, to learn and, and be part of something that's really special. Definitely. Yeah. So many good resources right in City Hall. So also, I would just add that we're eight-ish weeks in, so we, she's almost got her way through all the government acronyms. Almost. Wow. <laughs> I think I learn a new one each day. <laughs> so, uh, Rachel, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what uh, skills you bring, what organization, what perspective um, that you bring, and any tools that are helpful in your day-to-day work? I think my biggest tool that is helpful in my day-to-day work is that I probably didn't get my start in government and municipality lifestyle. I got my start right in the middle of a community and so I think I've like heard people talking about what they need and what they want for a long time so it's been neat to be able to um, bring the community things that like maybe I wish I had had or um, perspective that I wish I had had. Um, or a different way of communicating um, and to start to open up some of those channels and open up some of those doors. Social media is obviously a huge part of that and a huge tool within that. Um, Whether that's this week in Marion here, all of these events, I feel like we hear all of the time this narrative of there's never anything to do here. Um, I gotta get out. Once I leave Southern Illinois, my life can start really start and that's just not true. So one of my biggest goals is to be able to communicate like there are things happening here every single day get out um, go explore go see what's happening so communicating that via social media newsletter emails um, getting stuff out on the calendars and being present and word of mouth I think helps a lot like while you're out shopping like oh yeah all these things are happening this weekend and people start asking more questions and So those people that can write content really rule the social media world right now. What's your take on that and how influential is that? Why should we be doing it for our city or for community? Well, if it's not out there and nobody knows about it, nobody's going to (laughs) come. So being able to to express what's happening and be able to tell people what to expect whenever they get there, how they can be a part of it, how they can um, take action within that is important and giving them a reason to show up is important and inspiring them to sometimes go on and do something else with whatever it is that they're going to get from that event that they go to. Do people really want the more raw, more personal stories uh, and experiences or should it be really polished? I think there's beauty in both. I think there's beauty in the diversity of it, right? Like nobody on social media wants to follow a sterile bullet point list or just a very mundane email. Um, People want to connect with a personality and want to have want to see themselves in that. So I think being able to provide like a little bit of content of like, this is a day in the life of is important along with the polish, very well-written explanations of things or um, being able to provide some form of an education almost within that. And we're, I, I want to encourage and empower people to know what's happening in the city and a little bit of an understanding of how things really work and, so I think there's beauty in both and the diversity and the well-roundedness of the whole thing. I would say, going back to what I mentioned earlier, you know, I've known you since you were a little girl. I've watched mm-hmm. you grow up and just you are so such a beautiful young woman, so talented. You bring so many things to the table. So very proud of you, <laughs> I will say. Thank you. But what what how important is it to bring sort of that multi-generational approach to it? You know, you touched a little bit on you bringing sort of this fresh perspective and really speaking to what I assume is your your generation and that there are things to do here. There are reasons to stay here in Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk a little bit about reaching across uh, those generations. Um, if you talk to my old boss, he would probably tell you that if you read what I wrote, you would think I'm 90. <laughs> um, if you look at me, I sometimes look like I'm 18. Um, and if you hear me speak, I sound about my, my age. Um, so I grew up very close to my family. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and I have such a deep 
deep-seated, reverent respect for that generation. And I know that they're looking for things to do too. Like our Senior Citizen Center is popping. Um, Jill's got so much going on down there. Um, and I think it's important to communicate that they still have a place in our community. We still want them to be a part of what's going on, that there's... Um, and there's a real value there's that value they in them Absolutely. being here and inviting them to come out and be a part of things that are happening, events that are going on, conversations that are happening, because we need that input, we need that encouragement, and we need that support moving forward. Like They've laid this fantastic groundwork and foundation that we can't look past. Um, we have to give it the nod and the respect and that it's due um, and being able then to pass that knowledge on to the next generation too and be like, this is why this is important. This is why this has happened. This is um, the vision that this was initially built with. Um, take it, learn from it, grow from it. These are the mistakes we made and these are the things we did really well and just being able to lay it all out there in a timeline package is I think important and of great value and we've had some great leaders come before us in this city and in this area and we deserve to give like they deserve the respect of us it's not so important to helping yeah. a community continue to grow and be very inclusive in in all of those generational perspectives yeah and that's yeah. part of like getting people to move here and to stay here if they can see themselves spending their entire life here and having a quality life here through all seasons and all stages mm-hmm. So one thing that she alluded to in what she does outside of work is (laughs) a lot of coaching and mentoring and leading. And, you know, I find that the people I like best are the people who leave the ladder down uh, as they climb. And so you talk about the generations before you. Who were your mentors? Who left the ladder down for you to climb? Um, We've never talked about this. I'm going to share a story from my past. Um, As Deb said, she was my principal in the eighth grade, and she came to my um, class, and it was graduation time, and she asked if anyone of us wanted to speak, and no one in my class said me, except for me, and I was scared (laughs) absolutely out of my mind. Um, I had never spoken in front of a group before and been able to share my own thoughts. It had always just been like something pre-arranged, like a poem or scripture or something. So I had to pre-write my speech, got it all out, got it all written, and I had to turn it in, and we like reviewed it and edited, and I practiced and practiced and practiced at home, and I knew I was going to be nervous when I got up there, but like, do it afraid, right? Like, you got to do something for the first time every time you do something. And... Uh, so I got up, I walked up on stage, and mind you, I'm in the eighth grade, it's 2008, got my new dress on, I got my cap on, and my gown on, and my mom had let me get these little fake nails with the French chips, the glue on. So I thought I was just absolutely like the belle of the ball. So I'm walking up on stage, I'm shaking like a leaf, my voice is quaking, and um, you introduced me, I think you shook my hand maybe while I was walking up on stage, and put my papers down, I was so nervous I had to do that finger thing where you like have your finger you know on each side of the line and I was reading down and I stumbled over a couple words and then I glanced down and noticed one of my fingernails was gone. <laughs> and I was like, well, hopefully no one hopefully no one can notice while I'm up here on this stage. And I was like, I'll find it later. Of course I brought extras and glue. They were in my bag so that I would be ready for the reception afterwards. Well equipped. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I was prepared for anything. <laughs> So finished up my speech. I know I said a lot of ums and so's and uhs. It was my first time doing this. I was definitely nervous. A couple hundred people in the room. And uh, as I was walking off stage, Deb passed me on like the stairway and shook my hand and looked me in the eye and said, you did a really good job. And in her hand was my nail that I dropped. (laughs) And walked off stage, went and sat down. And one of the girls in my class looked at me and she was like, you were terrible. And that was like my first feedback whenever I sat back down. And I was like, um, okay, (laughs) like, we're not going to sit and dwell on this. And then afterwards, her dad came up to me and he was like, you could have used some more practice. And this went on like the rest of my high school career as her and her dad all the time liked to bring up how terrible of a job I did on my eighth grade graduation speech. But the funny thing is, is that that's not the part of the day that stuck with me. The part of the day that stuck with me was being given an opportunity to do something new, to do something scary, to have some guidance within that space to find myself, space to find my voice, but then someone there to like straighten the crown whenever it was all over and get some encouragement and some feedback and to 
give me my nail back. But um, <laughs> and you're right, we've never discussed that we've because had I known it. what you faced when you sat down <laughs> and that parent. That would yeah. have been a different story. But that just stuck with me so much. And like to this day, like that's the kind of yeah. leader I want to be. That's the kind of mentor I want to be is yeah. like, what do you want to do? How can I help you do that? How can I help you do that better? Um, what kind of, what do you need from me whenever it's all said and done? Um, and so that's like how I try to leave my mm. girls is like, I'm going to treat you like an adult. I expect you to do this really well. I'm going to help you to do this really well, but I don't expect it to be like the best the first time you do something yeah. so but because you're a great leader and you've developed from that experience to today more recently you've been given or I would say earn some great opportunities to serve our community um, Illinois pageant the Miss Illinois pageant is mm -hmm. one of those uh, Colt World Series is another can you talk about those experiences and then also okay. talk about with those experiences and others why we should be involved <laughs> and care about those things. <laughs> yes, um, so I'll start off with Miss Illinois. Miss Illinois is um, a part of the Miss America system. Miss America is the largest um, scholarship giver for women in the US. Um, each year, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars are given out in scholarship money um, that the girls compete for. They compete in an interview, which is at the Miss Illinois level is closed door for 10 minutes. Um, they compete on stage in a variety of different competitions, talent included. Um, and at the end of it, one of the girls gets crowned Miss Illinois and goes on to compete for the title of Miss America, where more scholarship money is given. Um, from a, a regional perspective, this brings those girls down here. There's typically about 24 of them. Um, they have to obviously stay here in our hotels, eat our food for a, almost a week. Their families come down. So it's just a huge influx of people um, looking for things to do, whether that's going out to eat and drink downtown at you know, our coffee shops and our restaurants, um, staying on west side of town in our um, hotels and shopping around at our different stores. So that's really neat. And the girls come back and go on appearances and um, really just draw attention to, to what's happening down here. So that's really sweet that we get to show off just a piece of our state that's oftentimes forgotten and looked over and not even, I think, sometimes acknowledged by folks who live in other parts of our state um, who have big city options and things going on and they get down here and they're like, I didn't know that this existed. How cool is this? And I uh, emceed at Miss Illinois a couple years ago and it was cool to get to talk to the girls backstage. And they were like, I never knew that X, Y, and Z existed down here or like, tell me more about this. So it was neat to get to share our area with them and hopefully they're gonna go home and share with their friends and their family about the things that are happening down here. And Colt World Series is just on the other end of that spectrum. Um, Colt World Series is 16U International Baseball Through the Pony, Protect Our Nation's Youth um, program. And we have 10 teams, two of which are local teams, the Southern Illinois team and a Marion team. So they, um, they're already here. We have eight teams come in, four from around the country and four from around the world. So that's an influx of like 190-ish people who stay here. Um, they have to stay in our hotels. Um, so occupancy is just booked up at 100% for five-ish five days, six days, which is great. They eat at all of our restaurants. Um, they get out and shop. They love exploring everything that's happening down here. It's a neat opportunity for people to get to meet others from around the world. Um, and show off a little bit about what we have and what we do and what we offer um, and to to make new friends in those lasting relationships that they come they they look forward to coming back to town we've had a couple kids who've not who started playing young and haven't aged out of the system yet and so it's neat to see them every year and they're like oh this is different from last year whenever we were here or like this didn't exist and it's neat to be a part of that in the growing tourism industry and to have that perspective too of, um, I was just talking to our tourism director, Ashley Spiller with Visit SI and um, we're back up to about almost where we were pre-pandemic with our like our occupancy rate in our hotels. And so that's a huge um, like accolade to Ash on Ashley's behalf, but also on these events that are being drawn to Marion and we're working to have the infrastructure to support them and we're working to have the resources to support travelers and to encourage visitors and um, so it's neat to get to be a part of kind of like the the very front end and the beginning of bringing in those big events to town and being able to test drive and give back feedback um, about things that we need whether that's like crosswalks um, 
as I've been out walking around with these teams and trying to help 28 year olds cross the street. Um, that's a whole new experience. Not 28, but 20, 28, 28 year olds. 28 yeah. year olds. Um, yeah across the street, that was a whole new experience. I, I don't have children, so it was like herding butterflies across the street. <laughs> I felt like I needed to get out some of the like the landing, you know, lights that are used in the airport, <laughs> like slow down traffic. But just different things that us as a city can do better. Um, and two, encouraging people to be hospitable to these people that are coming in and visiting us. Um, and staying here and being able to be a good tour guide within your own city of recommendations of restaurants, recommendations of shows, recommendations of places to get out and get active at. Um, so I like Colt World Series and Miss Illinois have completely changed, I think, how I speak about our area and how I encourage other residents to get educated about what's happening here and to have your, your little spiel ready for whenever somebody is like, oh, what do you do? And you can be like, well, here's everything you can do and that I like to do. And, so I love, uh, I feel like Rachel really walks the walk, talks the talk, and, you know, we talk about living like a tourist, stop saying, I always wanted to go there, I wish I would go, just put it on the calendar and make it happen. Mm -hmm. We talk about voting with our dollars, you know, there's nothing worse than a business goes away and then everybody says, oh, that was my favorite, and then you find out they hadn't been there for two years and they spent 10 cents there. That's not how this <laughs> works, folks. And uh, so what other things do you think you want to tell the community? You kind of alluded to elevator pitch. Anything else that we should be doing? Um, I think it's super important to keep your money local. Like we talked about filling up in Marion um, gas-wise. Um, also filling up your belly in Marion gas-wise, or well, food-wise to fuel your car body but um, <laughs> uh, it's like being able to say that this is where I'm from and this is what I believe in and these are the people that I believe in um, is important and voting with your dollars is a very obvious um, way to do that and shopping local is also great there are so many great places to go and get clothes and um, other supplies that you might need for your normal life like you don't have to turn to online options all the time um, if you just get out and look around a little bit and ask some questions people are more than happy to like start to help guide and point you in the right direction and even if it is an online option so many places now you can order online or you can call and get a product and go pick it up there. I just did that last night for a birthday present and didn't have time. You know, it would have been easy to order from an online and have it shipped to me, but actually just going, walking in, picking it up, that helps keep those dollars here as well. And there's so many other options out there too that you may not even know exist until you start shopping in brick and mortars and you're like, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that this product yeah. was a real thing or this kind of artwork or whatever it might be. So I just really encourage people to get out and walk around and let yourself go into new stores you maybe hadn't been in before because I think they'd be pleasantly surprised about what they'll find. And honestly, COVID, really, our, our retailers, our service providers, our experience providers, our restaurants really stepped up their game on websites, alternative delivery mechanisms, social media. So it's out there, and it is. I think it's easier to find than it was before. Yeah, I agree with you. Rachel, what would you tell a high school student or a college student who may have moved away for college or a high school student that says, I just want to be beyond, you know, Southern Illinois or wherever they live uh, in small rural communities. What would you say to them about mm, maybe, maybe give Marion or a small community a chance? That there's a lot happening here and there's a lot more that's going to start happening here. Um, I know jobs are kind of a, a, a niche thing that sometimes people, people are looking for something really specific and I would tell them to not be afraid to ask. I think some of these bigger businesses and even smaller ones um, are looking for people but they don't necessarily know exactly what it is that they're looking for and sometimes if you just present yourself and be like, these are my skills, here's my resume, do you have a place for me? I think some places are more than willing to be like, yeah, let's create a desk and a chair and a job description and get you in here because sometimes people don't know what they need until they're told what they need. Um, so I'd encourage people to, like, this is a great place to live. There's a lot happening here. There's a lot that's going to start happening here. And there's a lot that people can make happen for themselves here. 
um, if they're just willing to, to ask and invest. Yeah. And that makes me think of some of the coworkers at Ethos, uh, small business co-working space, is that I've got remote workers and I've got freelancers and their companies are not here. And they're contracted with international companies, and they they like this community. They like what it offers, and they can have, you know, private office space. Um, but I don't think we think about that until this generation. This is a brand new way to work. Yeah, it's neat that you've got so many people that work in so many different fields right here in Marion, and what a great resource too for people who are looking to get into those like areas of work to be able to go and ask you know, a high school student to be able to go and ask an accountant that works for an international firm, what is it that you do? And be able to get a really realistic day-by-day, you know, play-by-play as someone who's getting started is trying to figure out what they want to do. We kind of experienced that yesterday with our presenter at Ethos, (laughs) uh, Shannon Taylor, who was a vice president for Procter Gamble and, uh, and, and went to China and worked there during COVID. And now he's back in his hometown and he's still working. He's just working remote. And I think that's a great opportunity for someone in the beginning of their career or maybe later on in their career. So speaking of career, between now and when we call you Mayor Stroud, what's what's your plan? Oh, wow. What's my plan? Um, Is that an announcement? (laughs) No, but you can be the first to know. Um, uh, What is my plan? Uh, one, I feel like I need to keep learning all these government acronyms. <laughs> um, it's the worst. I, it, I've been told I'm never going to get all of them because, like, you get the list and, like, three more pop on the list by the end of the next day. Um, I'm definitely still getting my feet underneath me, and I think um, a lot of my jobs so far, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, but it's just been finding our city's voice and creating our city's voice. Um, it's important to me to feel connected to where I live and I want other people to feel connected to where they live and like our city has a robust and profound personality and so a big part of my job is going to be creating that um, and creating those opportunities so that's the next thing on my to-do list Um, help people find Marion and stay in Marion is also on my to-do list Um, and of course helping businesses thrive and shining some spotlights on some other cool things that are happening. Um, But maybe next year we can do this again and I'll give you an update as to where we are in that process and what my next um, point of action is. Well, I would add to that. So something that's been on my mind as you've been talking is my son, when he turned 20, he's 30 now, when he turned 20, um, I sent out this question to friends and family and I said, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? And we got a lot of great advice. In fact, I put a little book together for him, and he pulls it out every birthday, and I have a copy of it as well. It's, it's awesome. But one of my favorite tips was uh, the best way to ruin your 20s is to think you have to have it all figured out. And I would add the best way to ruin your 30s and your 50s. 40s and your 50s <laughs> is to think you have to have it all figured out. So looking back to your 20-year-old self, your 15-year-old self, whatever that is, what advice would you give to her about thinking you have to have it all figured out and or advice you would give to others that are your age that are thinking they have to have it all figured out? Um, I'm definitely a perfectionist. If I, I, I play to win. Um, I don't like walking away from something and like thinking like that wasn't my best. Um, so sometimes that is a roadblock for me of even like doing something to begin with because I leave so disappointed in myself because that wasn't perfect. Um, so I think that that would be my advice to my 15-year-old self is it's not going to be perfect the first time you do it. You just have to get up and do it yeah. anyway and have that experience and learn from the highs and from the lows within that. Um, and I think that that would be my advice right now to anybody is to just try. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know until you try and don't be afraid to do something that's not your forever because it's going to serve you down the road as a learning experience, as a connection. Sometimes it's just a really funny story to look <laughs> back on and chuckle and on other days, but um, to just do it. Nike had it figured out. So Rachel, tell us what it really is like to work with Jennifer Olson. <laughs> Listen, Jennifer and I are roomies. We share an office, and it's actually a ton of fun. Jennifer is a wealth of knowledge. Um, 
there's nothing that Jennifer has ever said that I'm like, that wasn't profound or like I didn't learn from this. (laughs) (laughs) So I love working with Jennifer and I have 6 million questions because again, I don't want to mess something up. And Jennifer just very patiently answers every single question I have every single time. So I think it is a great, great, she's a 10 out of 10 opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would recommend Jennifer. (laughs) Thank you. I get one more than one star. Yes. Um, So, you know, a lot of people see our team, our mayor, our chief of staff, our department heads, and just being in government, they think like, you know, it's super buttoned up and super serious. And I mean, there certainly are those things. I mean, we're, we're cross-trained in incident command, which is crazy because I'm probably running for the door. Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, but, um, we do have a lot of fun. Our team is a lot of fun. We, um, like, we got to get Rachel up to speed on movie lines from about 25 to 45 years ago because that's our bandwidth in our office. And we don't know the new movie lines. We just know the old, you know, Caddyshack and whatnot. Um, and we have some serious, serious pranksters on our team. So there's a lot of fun that happens on our team. And But... Rachel just adds, obviously, a lot of energy, a youthful perspective, but she's also super profound, which I really didn't appreciate until doing masterminds at Ethos with Russ and with some of the folks in the room, because she would be super quiet and, you know, kind of just taking it all in, and then all of a sudden she would lay out some statement, I would be like, oh my gosh, it's impressive, (laughs) and that's kind of how I first got to know Rachel and really really appreciate her wisdom and that old soul perspective. Yeah. Um, she's youthful yet has a very wise way of observing things and then coming back with, you know, the mic drop. And, yeah, so. that's true. And I would add, I mean, obviously your team is amazing and, and everyone at the city is doing a great job, but I think one of the things that you've done so well that has helped the community really thrive, and I would also add this same thing helps businesses thrive, is really engaging the community and helping them find their role in in growing the community, the third, or third, third Thursdays, Thursdays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and all of the other things where you, you know, someone has come with an idea and your team has embraced it, but not said, okay, thanks, we'll do that. You've really empowered them to go out and make that their own and help build this community. So do you want to talk a little bit about that or, or how that came about? I feel like that was kind of the administration before I got there that has a yes and what can we do to help you mm-hmm. mentality, um, which is, in my opinion at least, how sustainable growth happens if people take ownership of it and make it their own and start to engage different sectors of friends, right? Like John Maxwell's 21 law, 21 Irrefutable laws of leadership. Ooh, that's good. Did I get yeah, there? Okay. You got it. One of them is that you can only influence the influencers. You can't influence everyone else. Or you can't, you can influence influencers. You don't have to influence everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's been a really um, interesting way to, like, how I kind of see Third Thursdays is that this other subsect of people have, community people have stepped up and said, like, yes, we want to be involved. And then they've, like, influenced their sphere of people which is maybe people that wouldn't have been involved or that we didn't even know are now like on board and are the biggest go Marion community cheerleaders so it's been neat to see that kind of transpire and I think what's unusual about she's talking about Marion Connects which is a volunteer core that has added family friendly free fun to third Thursdays for us and I think the hardest thing for any anybody, but especially for government, is just let it let it go. Like just trust that they're going to behave themselves and act as a liaison instead of putting a heavy hand, instead of trying to control it, trying to put out bylaws or rules. Just like let them go, and as long as it's safe, you know, what's the harm? And they have had great events. I mean, I'm still wowed by their July event where they had the urban cowboy line dancing. And we had between 750 and 850 people come up and enjoy the People's Plaza and just have a great time. And really for, I'm always looking to the the younger, younger children. And I feel like for people to love their hometown, you have to give them the opportunity to make memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
That's awesome. And I would add the same applies to a business, you know, yeah. giving, empowering them to really feel a part of that business and the creation of, of new things. And, and like you said, not having such a heavy hand that you have to control everything, but just letting them go, letting them do their thing and, and everything thrives as a result. Yeah. Excellent. Give them the support they need and get out mm-hmm. of their way. Absolutely. Yeah. If your Excellent. hands over the top, the plant never gets the sun, right? And the, just going to weather away. Very you guys good. have any other questions? Mm-hmm. Okay, Audience. so this is the fun part. If Rachel will play along, oh, I'll play go. along. This is where we break is it break the fourth wall. Is that the term? <laughs> break the fourth wall, and we have a live studio audience studio audience here at the Foundation Room on the Square, and I'm sure they are eager to ask some questions of Rachel or the hosts today. So, does anybody have a question that we can put on the air? Yes, mm-hmm. tell us your name too. My name's Tim. I have questions particularly for the the three women on the panel. Our company has three amazing young women under 30 who work for us. And my question for the three of you is, how do you, I don't believe that work-life balance has to be a myth. But I believe that women, even more than men, have to really work on intentional boundaries. and I wonder what advice you might have for the three women on our team to do their best to build or hold two boundaries and do their very best to maintain that balance so that they're better for us and for themselves. Good question. So um, two things. One is I'm from the working world when I started of work like you don't have a family and have a family like you don't work. And also over the years, I've recognized that for a lot of people, uh, women, when they need to be at the trajectory to really hit the gas on the career is about the time their kids need them the most. So there's a really hard balance there. I'm uh, inspired and uh, excited to see more workplaces being open to acknowledging that you have a family, you have a life, that you need to get to appointments, and you can't miss the holiday seeing. Um, so I think for the employers, you have to give them the grace to work the hours that they need to work and to shift things around. And as long as they're getting their work done, who cares if it's eight to five or, or whatever. But for um, the, the women in the workplace, they have to really be empowered to feel like it's okay to say, you know, I'm, I'm frazzled and I need a mental health day. I'm, I'm not sick, my kids aren't sick, but I just need a day to run all the errands that happen between eight and five or to just you know, have a day to play and to you know, get counseling or whatever's necessary for them to come back in full form the next day. And I would just add, um, you know, certainly work and life and family, those things all blend together in many ways, but where possible, Um, It has helped me to be able to compartmentalize those things a bit. So when work is done, so we work hard, but when work is done, then I'm 100% to my family. And again, that doesn't always work um, out perfectly, but where it can, um, certainly that's that's what I try to do. Uh, I think also, though, organizational culture plays a key role in that. And I mention that because I, I feel like I've tried to have that same compartmentalization or balance or boundaries regardless of what organization I'm with or what role, but sometimes the organization um, doesn't make that as easy, meaning there's this expectation of sort of a 24-7 being on and answering your emails and answering your phone call, you know, all all of these things, and that just makes it really difficult sometimes. And not to say that that's never going to happen, that you're going to have after hours or those things again are going to kind of blend into each other, but... Um, where possible, you know, I will be the first to say that my family, there have been times in my life where they've gotten leftovers, and um, I think as I've gotten older, I've learned that that's, that's not always a good thing, so. And I think um, oftentimes it's difficult to be able to put yourself first, so having an employer who is willing to say, like, if your employer knows that something's going on in your life and your employer is willing to say like do you want the afternoon to go take care of that like I trust that you're going to get your work done and giving you the option to be like oh 
like, yes, I like, thank you for caring about me and my life so much that you're willing to put this out there and I don't have to ask for it. And then maybe the next time that like I need a mental health day or I'm just frizzle frazzled, I'm going to be a lot more comfortable in saying like, I can't give you a hundred percent today and be more comfortable asking for some time to get my, my life in order or my mind in order or whatever that might be. But sometimes I think that looks like if an employer is sensitive enough to that situation for the employer to be the one to be like, it's like giving you permission almost to put yourself first. And I think too, communicating your team's culture, our team, for example, is really bad about dumping an email and it's, we've, we've have to explain amongst ourselves. That's just to get it off my plate. I don't need you to engage and I'm not expecting an answer until you come in. It's just me. Like I had a an epiphany. 2 a.m. epiphany <laughs> and I just need to get it out of my head onto something. I guess we should probably learn to put things in draft, but that's not how we roll. A notepad by on the bedside table. <laughs> yeah. But Tim, I applaud you just for answer or asking the question mm -hmm. because yeah. that says a lot about just an understanding of uh, women in the workplace and, and helping them to really thrive and and uh, recognizing some of those challenges that, that come into place. So thank you for just acknowledging that and as asking the question. Thank you. Can I ask a quick follow-up? Or, or just yeah, a very quick follow-up. Thank you for saying that. We are outnumbered in our company, us men, four to nine. So mm -hmm. we learn to listen. But what you all gave me an idea, particularly Jen, at the end with the culture idea mm -hmm. is what I don't see in a lot of like indeed.com job descriptions is that and so like what someone could do if they were hiring is like instead of just 401k boundaries we turn email off from five to mm -hmm. six we you never see that kind of stuff and that's what all to a person all three of you kind of said that so you really gave me an idea thank you very much mm -hmm. yeah thank you tim yeah thank you other questions I've never heard Tom Harness be this quiet in a room. So, I okay, I thought so. <laughs> so. Elaborate more on these tunnels because I know you're <laughs> back to the tunnels. And when, when will we get to actually see the video footage of you going underground and showing us this other version of Mary? Um, I'll show you the video footage whenever it gets made. Um, so back in the day, our city was warmed by coal stoves, ovens. I'm not really sure what the proper terminology Furnaces, was. Furnaces, yeah. Furnaces, thank yeah. you. And in the sidewalks, there were holes that early, early in the morning, the coal trucks would drive around and scoop the coal with these big shovels out of their trucks and into the holes that went into the basements of each of the buildings so that whenever the workers got there in the morning, they could replenish their, their furnace with the coal. Um, all of these are theoretically kind of combined in some way, form, or fashion. Some of them have been blocked off, um, but a few years ago we were working on this project um, trying to get our city a, some money for some revitalization, and all this started to come to light. And then I was at the Historical Society with Luke doing some research on this project, and it came out while we were in there that there's this tunnel that went from our old sheriff's home jail situation two blocks south of town so that juries or um, people who've been sequestered or who were in trouble could escape out of town easily. This was during Prohibition era. There was some gang um, tension happening in Marion and snipers would sit up on top of our buildings and try to take out people who were walking around um, on the ground that were of opposing gangs. So there was this tunnel for quick and easy escape and efficiency and more less to save their lives. Um, and I just think that there, if there's one, there has to be more. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, two blocks south seems great until everybody discovers that two blocks south is where that tunnel ends. So I just think that we have to have some diversity within that. So, so whenever I go um, tunnel digging, I'll let you know. So two years ago on Rachel's birthday, Rachel's sister, Emily, brought her over to the Citadel building where Ethos is located so we could go tour the basement, which uh, was right on target for oh Rachel's birthday, right? Oh my gosh, it was right? so cool. So we went down to the basement where there may or may not be tunnels. I'm not going to say. Oh my goodness. There are <laughs> tunnels. <laughs> it's not going so well until that question. <laughs> 
yes. Actually, uh, Rachel's sister Emily is in our live audience today, so here's your chance, yes. Emily, to ask a really juicy question or comment. <laughs> She's being quiet. You have a good family. You have such a good family. I have family. the best sister in the world. <laughs> you have the best sister in the I world? I do have the best sister in That's the world. Awesome. I don't deserve her. That's good. Yeah. Anybody else have a question? Would you like ever like write a book? And if so, what would it be about? Ooh, good Ooh. question. So Tom Harness thinks that I need to write a book and has thought this for years. Um, I think I'm always using this phrase speak life um, over people and over situations of like we're going to talk about the possibilities and what could be um, and the potential that people may have inside of them instead of like all of the things that we've done wrong or all of the things that aren't good enough, um, we're going to shine a light on the good stuff and put our hands over um, the things that may not have been perfect. And so I think, according to Tom and probably according to Rachel now, um, this book would be about encouragement and finding some inner self-confidence and who you are and what you're made to do. And stay tuned for that. Next year, whenever we have our catch-up session about where I'm seeing my job going, we will also touch base back on the book. Excellent. Anybody else? Questions? No? So our guest today has been Rachel Stroud, Director of Marketing for the City of Marion. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. This was Thank great. You. It is awesome. Yeah. by looking you in the eyes, shaking your hand, and yeah. saying, well done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to everyone, uh, especially our listeners and watchers, for supporting the Small Town Big Business Podcast. And uh, thanks to our, again to our live audience and for joining us here at the Foundation Room on the Square. This is a magnificent space. Mm -hmm. It's a 123-year-old building that was restored by uh, entrepreneur Jeff Mayer. And uh, Tammy Chandler operates the Granny Puckett's Cupcakes and Cafe next door. So please come downtown to Tower Square Plaza and enjoy these revitalized spaces. Uh, thank you to our sponsors of the Small Town Big Business Podcast. Thank you to Arcadia Wealth Group, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, the Fowler Heating and Cooling Company, Swinford Media Group, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, of course our producer, Union Street Arts. You can't see Luke O'Neill behind the camera here, but he's recording us and he's a great podcast producer along with wedding photography and a lot of other productions and we're so thankful for Luke. If you want to know more about Ethos, it's a small business incubator, co-working spaces, training and development here on Tower Square Plaza in Marion, Illinois, you can contact me. It's Russell at watermarkethos.org or you can find us on Facebook. It's called Ethos at the Citadel on Tower Square Plaza. And uh, just a reminder to go out to your favorite podcast app or YouTube or Facebook and subscribe, like, follow us, do all of the things so that you don't miss an episode. Um, please go back and listen to the early ones. If you haven't, there's some real gems out there. And I mean, two years worth of content will help you uh, while away quite a bit of your drive time. So follow us. I'm Jennifer Olson, Director of Business Development for the City of Marion, and you can go to the city's website, uh, YouTube, all of our social media, or just come up to the clock tower at Tower Square Plaza and come see us at City Hall. And usually Jennifer and I tag team with Russ as co-host, but it's been an exciting time to be, for all of us to come together and do this. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm Deb Barnett, the Executive Director for Southern Illinois Now. It's a 17-county economic development initiative where we advance the Southern Illinois region, including the city of Marion, as a great place to live, work, and do business. Yeah. Again, I'm Russell Williams. Jennifer Olson. Deb Barnett. Thanks have for a great joining day. us. Yeah, have Thank a great day. Thank you.